Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of America Explained with Quinn and Jeffrey. I'm Quinn Reiser. And I'm Jeffrey Walk. Thank you all for taking the time to join us. Today's topic will be the elephant in everyone's room, COVID-19. It's fundamentally changed the lives of everyone in America and has resulted in the deaths of more than 90,000 citizens and with more than 36 million unemployed. As is common, the current question is that of where blame lies. Join us today uh, to discuss this is Daniel Cheney. Dan is a junior at South Glens uh, Fall High School, north of Albany, New York. He's always had a passion for politics and world history and is close to completing the rank of Eagle Scout in the Boy Scouts of America. Following Dan, we'll be speaking with R.J. Morrison. R.J. is an industrial engineering major attending the University of Missouri. In Eagle Scout, R.J. is an enthusiast regarding current events, foreign policy, and issues regarding the American government, spirit, and society. Welcome on to the show, guys. So, Daniel, we've seen plenty of mistakes from a lot of players in global politics regarding this pandemic. What specific mistakes and shady dealings make you think that China is more to blame? Well, I think China is more to blame for a multitude of reasons. I think the big ones are the uh, wet markets in China and how they are very unregulated and still unregulated. And China's response, how they covered it up and their disingenuousness to the international community. All right. Well, we'll let you. Yeah, we'll let you respond. Um, RJ, what do you think? Um, you obviously think that the American federal government um, plays a bigger role in the uh, impact that coronavirus has had on the American community. Um, so, what do you think your reasons are for uh, for that reason? So, I mean, over the past like two and a half decades, we've seen the American government uh, cede a bunch of our. Uh, uh, global influence abroad, you know, the, like the international organizations that China eventually misled, you know, those were designed by us. Uh, and, you know, when we moved our manufacturing overseas, that's not China's fault that they had a more, uh, uh, like a better market than ours. You know, it's not our, like not their fault that our manufacturing moved overseas. Uh, well, and so, they, well, I mean, that's because they have fewer uh, restrictions on labor. I mean, I think that's kind of a good trade-off for uh, expensive labor here, but uh, higher wages for our citizens. So I don't know if that's a well, our fault. I, 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 I thought I was asked my reasons. Of course. Keep going. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, you know, uh, manufacturing moved overseas. I would, I would personally put the blame more on our, our, like it's uh, Bill Clinton, you know, introduced China into the World Trade Organization, uh, an organization we set up, and then eventually China would go on to abuse that system. Uh, you know, the system that we set up as my belief that the people who set up the flaws in the system uh, are the ones who caused the problems, not the people who abuse the systems that were set into place. Uh, and then it just like the response, especially from Donald Trump's been mostly flubbed uh, and just so there's been very poor communication between the feds and the states uh, and then local communities, which has overall led to a worse response. Um, all right. So uh, specifically talking about the uh, Donald Trump's response to the uh, pandemic, do you believe the issue was a delayed response or do you believe the issue was a lack of funding to the states or what, what do you think the, the primary issue is and how we how we d- uh, deal with uh, the virus today? 
So the worst possible thing that the government can do is say that nothing's wrong when something is wrong. And that's exactly what the government did. But, uh, you know, to the or at least Donald Trump's credit, uh, the media, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, was also downplaying it. And so there's an expectation that the government would tout that line, uh, even when warning sirens are going off from the scientific community. Uh, And so I. it's not so much of an issue of funding or delegation of resources. It was an issue of communication. Uh, states, you know, that we're a federal republic, and uh, all the messages from the Trump White House, you know, and, and his press briefings were, you know, going one way. When the administrative bureaucracy out of the White House, you know, the executive branch, where it was just touting a completely different line, and so that that was uh, a big issue, and that's where I think the federal government met. Uh, messed up the most wait so are you saying that you think the um that the response was delayed too or it, so that we should have responded I, you earlier? know social distancing which is like the the best possible way to mitigate uh, uh pandemic you know that's really on the responsibility of citizens and and that at least that's my personal belief on the matter uh, and so by the government, you know, saying that, no, you don't have to social distance and giving the American population a reason to be complacent with the, pan- with the pandemic already spreading, you know, that, that was the biggest flub. Uh, and so it wasn't until much later. So, yeah, you could say it was delayed, uh, in, you know, coalescing a message uh, that would not uh, be a detriment to the American people. But even in January, it didn't appear that there would be much of a problem with the virus itself. So why would we have had a response in like January? Well, early again, you know, the the main concerns were that the pandemic uh, was going to spread. Uh, you know, the, the Trump White House, you know, one thing that I will give them definitely credit for is the travel ban to China. You know, like the uh, Democrats and the media uh, really attacked the travel ban. Uh, and, you know, it was it was the right move. Uh, Donald Trump also did mention the coronavirus uh, in uh, his State of the Union address, which the rest of the government didn't take very seriously. Uh, and for me, uh, that would show it's not necessarily a Donald Trump problem, but not, uh, a whole government problem. Uh, and then the main reason that warning bells weren't going off earlier was probably because of the the World Health Organization, you know, an organization that we pr- provide the majority of funding to, an organization that we uh, set up uh, with the UN, uh, and an organization that we let fall prey to China's tactics. Um, just to play devil's advocate for uh, Dan here, I want to, I'm interested in your response. Um, obviously, now we know that the uh, Chinese government, we've seen documents that show that they've covered up uh, the severity of the impacts of coronavirus among their own citizens, and that they did downplayed its significance severely for at least a week before even in- notifying the international community. Um, do you think this is the thing that eventually led to us having such a great issue um, with the coronavirus in America, Dan? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is the the thing that was the great issue. Of course, we shouldn't have trusted China as much as we did, but how were we supposed to know there was such a problem if the Chinese never notified the international community about it? We, we couldn't have responded when we didn't know that there was a huge problem. And they didn't, they, they lied to the World Health Organization and they lied to um, other foreign powers about how much of a problem it was. We couldn't have responded at that time when they were lying because we didn't know the problem. Yeah. I'll, I'll say 
it seems like the rhetoric has always been flattening the curve. And I would say in that respect, we succeeded. Because unlike China, and unlike Wuhan, where the hospitals were flooded with people and overworked, our hospitals have not been overworked. Hospitals um, have not been flooded. I mean, we had, we've had a lot of cases, but the issue has never been the amount of cases we get, but it's so much as spreading the amount of time that those cases come in. Yeah, I'm not, in that. I'm not sure I agree with you there. Obviously, we live in St. Louis for the most of us, Dan being the exception, but I think across a lot of uh, a lot of bigger cities especially like New York we've seen those hospitals are getting over flooded they're having to build like uh, makeshift hospitals in like central park See, for non coronavirus cases yeah dan uh, uh, in new york i'd i'd have to disagree i've i've heard i've heard uh, different things about um, at least down in the city i haven't been down there in a long time but i had always heard that they were they built all those things and then there was the uh, ship that came in but they didn't use a lot of them they didn't need them they overestimated the amount of beds and the amount of ventilators yeah dan's exactly right i've been hearing the same thing you know that's that's why i think um the government uh another big issue with the government is that it didn't know how to play the coronavirus and that's an issue with like epidemiology in general uh you know and so the government was relying on all these like big numbers uh and so they're moving a bunch of funding you know uh, the federal government passed a true two trillion dollar stimulus uh package and then a three trillion dollar stimulus package uh you know it's for economies that an economy that they shut down uh while relying on very bad numbers you know i feel like new york is a good example of this because yeah they they thought they needed sixty thousand ventilators and then turned out they needed six thousand you know it's it's stuff like that where i think the government did a very poor job and and they and they they were thinking but on on the other hand they thought that many more people were going to die and that has not happened isn't that I mean, somewhat proof that the government has handled it to some degree well that the 250,000 aren't dead and it's only about I mean 90, I want to say the uh, the general estimate they were making was on the the bare minimum was going to be between 100 and 200,000 um, and up to potentially 1.5 million if we didn't do anything and obviously uh, See that number to me is absurd. One point two million. That that sounds like that that sounds like uh, too high of a number. Right, but once again, we don't obviously have these kind of models, and we don't have the. Uh, and that was obviously for if there was no social distancing, which most states have been implementing for uh, for more than a month at this point. So I I don't see it. It seems like the government mitigated it well. If their initial thoughts were that upwards of two million people were going to die. And see, that number hasn't even been reached in the amount of cases. At the, the same time, though, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of governments across the world implementing more effective policies. For example, we see New Zealand had very few deaths. I want to say it was in the single digits for deaths. Um, New Zealand's smaller than Missouri, though. It's smaller, but it also would be yeah. The South Korea is still like fifty million people, and they had. I think fewer than a hundred deaths overall because they had uh, effective measures in place. Again, to, South uh, Korea, deal. you know, as and like physically is smaller than Missouri, like the like the nation. Uh, again, logistically, it's easier if everyone's packed in the same spot. Uh, of course, it's going to be easier to like get tests out. You know, if think of like the American, like how spread out we are. Uh, that's that's a logistical nightmare. That's why the post office is failing. It's so hard to reach everyone here. When- 
I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you say, though, that being spread out is advantageous in a pandemic that's spread by uh, airborne? Oh, for sure. That's why Missouri is yeah. not suffering as hard as it is right now. And, you know, we've got 10,000 cases. Uh, I mean, like, I've, so, so are, the American response, I feel like, has been successful, uh, mostly despite the efforts of the government, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the government tried to shut down the economy. Uh, the government uh, did not listen to the early warning signs. Uh, and when, so on the state level, you know, when the government tried to interject too much, like in Michigan, you know, it had the opposite reaction of what it wanted, where instead of people staying home, like the government asked, because the government was so heavy handed, you know, people went to the streets, you know, that, that to me is like the definition of a failed government response. I think the counter, the thing that I'll quickly interject, I think the counter argument is that if we had just known earlier, um, of this, of the impending pandemic, we could have been ready. And I believe we already had a pretty early start compared to the world. On January 27th, we started screening at 20 American airports. And on January 29th, we became, uh, with Japan, the first countries to evacuate our citizens from Wuhan. And the next day, we uh, placed a do not travel, a level four travel advisory on China. So I wonder, the question is, could this pandemic had ever been prevented outright? And if it couldn't have been, do we do the best we could? I, no, I would say, I don't go ahead. It could have been prevented. Yeah, I, I don't think it could have been prevented. You're always going to have, I mean, it could have been mitigated and there could have been better um, standards in China for the wet markets. They could have been more honest with us, but it would have still have broken out. There would have still been problems. I, I don't think you can ever fully stop something like this. I think it's always bound to somewhat happen. Yeah. See, the, the reason I put more blame on our federal government than the Chinese government is, uh, you know, like this, the, a pandemic has been predicted, you know, like it's supposed to come every hundred years. Uh, and it typically does right on time. Like right now it's like right on schedule a hundred years later. Uh, and what our federal government did to prepare, you know, was move, like allow our manufacturing to move overseas, uh, put more faith into China. You know, China's never been a good actor. Uh, it's never been a free society uh, in like the modern age, uh, and our federal government just allowed them to like take control of like the global economy, uh, to be able to lie without consequence, and to be able to just be a bad actor. I feel like that's on us. That was our responsibility to maintain. I I, I do agree that it it was a mistake for us to do that, but I don't think um, that necessarily has full fully to do with the coronavirus. Like if. If we hadn't let them take over manufacturing, they would have still had, we would have still had similar and RJ, how, problems. How do, you expl- how, how do you say that we could have kept China from taking over manufacturing? Uh, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, it, it was uh, the United States was the stopgap between letting China into the World Trade Organization and not letting it. Uh, and, you know, China joined on the condition that would be labeled as a developing country because, you know, at the time it was fairly poor. Ever since then, you know, they've had double digit economic growth uh, annually. Uh, and if we had not done that, uh, if we had not let them in, then they would nowhere. They would be nowhere near the point they are now. You know, the United States has never been since it's since the United States has achieved economic da- dominance in the post World War II era has never countered uh, a nation with sixty percent of its GDP or higher. Or sorry, fifty percent of its GDP or higher. You know, China's economy right now is sixty percent of the United States economy. So we've never faced a greater existential or economic threat uh that you know we create i 
I don't see how China's economic standing has much to do with their spreading of the virus, because if you look the um, take a look at like the Spanish flu that came from China, the, most Sp- likely. the Spanish flu and the, and like the 1918 one, had- which we don't know where it came from. Yeah, I would see. I, I've heard much, many more reports. The, the science says, you know, it probably started in Kansas because it was reported in America before Europe. Uh, there, there is reports that it started in France, Kansas, and China. Those are the three places. Yeah, I, see, I heard the China one was more conspiratorial because it came from like a regional report. Oh, yeah, really? it was like strange pneumonia. But, you know, that's not dissimilar from what, what happened in Wuhan. Yeah, but, but I, I think. Similarly, I don't think it would have st- if if China was still the developing nation it was back a while back. I think it would have still have spread. Yeah, and we'd be. But still if you if you look problems. at like the the factors so that combined it's... for America to to not be ready, it was uh, uh, a supply chain dominated by China, uh, a lack of American made uh, equipment, you know, because it was all made in China, uh, and we relied on bad data that came from China. You know, China is the common variable. But all th- like the the underlying reason, you know, those are symptoms. The the underlying. So RJ, essentially, your argument is, it's China's fault that we should not have let China be in this position in the first place. Exactly. I feel like my, my view is a little bit misconstrued uh, on the opening because I definitely think China is a, a major factor in this. I think, uh, uh, but thirty years of poor American um, foreign policy is the bigger underlying issue. Right, and I just want to bounce off of uh, a point you made a couple minutes earlier, Arjun, and just uh, just talking about how we've had schedules, kind of how every hundred years or so there's a big pandemic. Um, we not not just every couple hundred years. In the last twenty years, we've seen several coronaviruses and several uh, potential pandemic level SARS. responses. Yeah, SARS, MERS. Well, yeah, but SARS didn't. Those didn't get many people. If you look at those numbers. But at the same time, we knew that something could come along that could be similar to those, but way more effective, and we still were ill prepared for it. I, hasn't the United States surpassed like the? I, wait, no. Hasn't the United States surpassed the testing of like the next twelve countries? Yes, but it's also combined. Bigger. Like it also has a lot more of, people. Like, of testing, rate. and it's. Yeah, but you know, when the countries, you know, South Korea has sixty million people, Japan has one hundred twenty million people, France has another sixty million. You know, all these like we, the the per capita testing rate in the United States is fairly high, is what I'm saying. So I I don't know how effective. Like also another issue I had, which I was trying to say earlier, is the expectation that a the government's going to know what's right, uh, and b that the government is going to do right. You know, like testing. Uh, well, that was touted as the big thing that the government's going to do to help the the problem. And, you know, the, so we have a lot of tests now, but that's not helpful. Uh, you know, we have a lot of ventilators now, but those aren't helpful. You know, like we, we the well, we're still we, we still don't have enough tests. I know where like I am. We only have tests like for the five neighboring counties. We only have tests for enough for one. I think that's mainly due to the how frequently Cuomo wants us to be testing. But still, I think it's, um, we don't have enough tests still. We currently right now, we are um, fifth overall in the world uh, for tests per capita. We're behind Denmark, Italy, New Zealand, and we're essentially tied with Canada. We're actually much farther ahead than South Korea. That's not saying. Yeah. 
I, I would say there's no correlation yeah, between then, testing and success on on like a, right. Uh, but at the same time, South Korea started testing early. They started testing a lot early, and then they were able to uh, stop the effects so much that they were able to actually effectively get back to work at a much, albeit adjusted for the uh, for pandemic conditions. But they were able to get back to work. Uh, and here's where I'm going to jet in about the the early testing. Is you know we could have had that testing earlier in in our country, but the federal government decided to change uh, which test we were going to we were going to use. And so, you know, the FDA uh, and the CDC using two different testing kits, uh, you know, not, uh, not aligned on like testing uh, requirements. And so hospitals were confused. We didn't have enough testing kits because the government decided to change its mind. Uh, and it just, it was the federal government just, just completely like messing up how we were going to test, you know, now we've caught up, but in those initial well, stages, which Jeffrey is saying so important, you know, the government messed up with how we were going to do testing. Well, we changed testing, right, for, for cost-efficient reasons is what I thought. And then it wasn't more efficient. Yeah, th- th- that was the reason given, but then it, it didn't help. But we, we don't have – it makes sense to change the testing if there is another more cost-efficient way because we don't have an infinite supply of money to deal with this problem. I mean the government's – taken out two and then three di- trillion dollars uh out of thin air i would say unlimited money is what we yeah do. we're clearly willing to show uh to deficit spend into oblivion you know i'll, I'll, I'll say we, we have ninety thousand confirmed deaths however if you look at deaths per million we're ranked actually i mean we have fewer deaths per minute to, per million than ireland the netherlands sweden france the uk italy spain and belgium I don't know that the amount of deaths is the United States' problem. Um, well, you you listed two countries, the Sweden and the Netherlands. You know who who didn't do much. Uh, uh, my question is, uh, what, what what were their death weight rates after not doing anything? How much how much higher were they? So than we ours? have two hundred seventy six deaths per million. Sweden has three hundred sixty three, and the Netherlands has three hundred thirty one. Okay, so. Would you say that's significant enough to for the government to spend five trillion dollars? That difference. I mean, I think it's important to understand that their cultures and the governments are very different. Obviously, they have much stronger safety nets for their uh, um, for social programs. Not to mention, they're just generally the civilian culture is is different, and so it's generally it tends to be a little more uh, respectful of uh, of safety than uh, than obviously American culture. All right, guys. I think we're, we're yeah we're running out of time here. So um, RJ and Dan, maybe I'll give you uh, each one more you know another minute to maybe restate your final thoughts about the issue, and then we'll wrap it up. So RJ, do you want to start? Uh, sure. So uh, I hundred percent agree that China uh, has uh, been a very bad actor uh, about the coronavirus. You know. Uh, but I think the underlying problems that have led to the United States' uh, poor response, uh, you know, they're, they're institutional problems related to our federal government that, you know, after 30 years of bad policy have put us into this position where we are not ready. Uh, I don't think that's China's fault for, for America doing a bad job. That's that's our fault. That's right, our federal you. government's and, uh, Daniel? fault. Well, I think that the majority of the fault lies on China for – lying and covering up to stockpile items. Um, if they had not lied, we could have taken a better response. But with the misinformation that they gave us, 
we had no better response than what we did. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that'll be all of our, our time for today. Thank you all so much for uh, joining us. Thank you for having us on the show. Um, thanks yeah, for thanks for having us, RJ and Dan. And uh, for you guys Thank listening you. out there, be sure to uh, follow uh, so that you can don't have to miss any of our future episodes. Um, we'll be hosting a show for Friday, just about a, uh, a recap of all of the American politics that's happened this week. Be sure to join us then. Thank you all.